December 11. Our reading in the New Testament for today will be from the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verse 18, and we'll go through chapter 3, verse 6. Judgment begins at the house of God, so Jesus deals with the seven churches before he deals with the lost world. Today we continue with the seven churches with Thyatira. Verse 19 gives us the impression that all is well in the church, but we must keep reading. Like the saints in Pergamos, the believers in Thyatira tolerated sin in the church. Idolatry and immorality usually go together, and Jezebel personifies both. Not everybody in the fellowship was guilty of sin, and the Lord did not warn them. Instead, He encouraged them to hold to the truth and be faithful. And to the uh, church of Sardis, this church had a great reputation. But close examination showed that its ministry did not live up to its name. In fact, the church was ready to die. What was the cause? Well, many of the people were defiling themselves by compromising with sin. And to the church at Philadelphia, the name means brotherly love, and Jesus had a special love for these people. Weak as they were, they were given an open door of service, and the Lord urged them to take advantage of it. When God opens a door for you, nobody can shut it, but you can ignore or neglect it. And to the church of Laodicea, this church did not know how bad off it was. It was a working church, but its service was lukewarm. Worst of all, the Lord was outside the church trying to get in. If only one member would yield to Him, the church could be changed. God's people must be open and honest with the Lord and humbly submit to His spiritual diagnosis. No church or Christian is so far gone that He cannot bring renewal. But we must be willing to repent and return to Him. And with that, let's begin today's reading in the New Testament. December 11, Revelation chapter 2, verse 18, through chapter 3, verse 6. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Thyatira. This is the message from the Son of God, whose eyes are bright like flames of fire, whose feet are like polished bronze. I know all the things you do, your love your faith, your service, and your patient endurance. And I can see your constant improvement in all these things. But I have this complaint against you. You are permitting that woman, that Jezebel who calls herself a prophet, to lead my servants astray. She is encouraging them to worship idols, eat food offered to idols, and commit sexual sin. I gave her time to repent but she would not turn away from her immorality. Therefore, I will throw her upon a sickbed, and she will suffer greatly with all who commit adultery with her, unless they turn away from all their evil deeds. I will strike her children dead. And all the churches will know that I am the one who searches out the thoughts and intentions of every person. And I will give to each of you whatever you deserve, but I also have a message for the rest of you in Thyatira who have not followed this false teaching. Deeper truths, as they call them. Depths of Satan, really. I will ask nothing more of you except that you hold tightly to what you have until I come. To all who are victorious, who obey me to the very end, 
I will give authority over all the nations. They will rule the nations with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. They will have the same authority I received from my father, and I will also give them the morning star. Anyone who is willing to hear should listen to the Spirit and understand what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Sardis. This is the message from the one who has the sevenfold Spirit of God and the seven stars. I know all the things you do, and that you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Now wake up! Strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is at the point of death. Your deeds are far from right in the sight of God. Go back to what you heard and believed at first. Hold to it firmly, and turn to me again. Unless you do, I will come upon you suddenly, as unexpected as a thief. Yet, even in Sardis, there are some who have not soiled their garments with evil deeds. They will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. All who are victorious will be clothed in white. I will never erase their names from the book of life, but I will announce before my Father and His angels that they are mine. Anyone who is willing to hear should listen to the Spirit and understand what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Grace can move mountains of guilt and shame. Grace can flood your days in the desert with streams of living water. Grace can bring you through the fire of adversity without the smell of smoke being upon you. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. You can only receive it because God is so glad to give it. Grace is an ocean without a shoreline. Grace has no limit. God's grace will give you a new beginning. God's grace is greater than your sin. God's grace is greater than all your faults and failures. And it's the only thing that can truly heal you. God's grace comes to even those that have not been faithful. God's grace has come to even those that have really not walked the way that they should walk. And yet His grace and His mercy is extended to every single person that will believe Him, that will come, that will humble themselves under His mighty hand. So often we think that God is only interested in the, quote, good people. The people that have it all together, people that never make mistakes, never give in to temptation. If your performance is good enough, then you can expect God's goodness. The truth is, it's just the opposite. When you blow it, God doesn't turn away from you, He turns to you. His grace comes looking for you. Jesus told a parable about a shepherd that had a hundred sheep, but one of them went astray. The shepherd left the ninety-nine and went looking for the one. What was that? Grace came looking. You can be high on drugs and grace is looking for you. You can be working in the wrong kind of place, grace is looking for you. You can be cheating people, dishonest, no integrity, and God will leave the 99 and come after you. You can be discouraged, depressed, about to give up on life. The good news is, right now, grace is looking for you. You may have made mistakes, you're not where you want to be in life. 
You could easily sit on the sidelines. Let the accusing voices convince you that you're all washed up. Nothing good is in your future. No, right now, grace is coming to you. God is saying, I'm not mad at you. I'm madly in love with you. I'm not holding anything against you. I'm not keeping a record of your mistakes. I'm not even interested in your past. I'm interested in your future. Friends, it doesn't matter to God where you've been. It matters to God where you're going. That's why he's coming after you. That's why he won't leave you alone. His grace will never give up. He loves you too much to let you miss your destiny. You can turn away again and again and again. But you know what? Grace will keep coming. Wherever you go, grace will keep looking. You can't outrun the grace of God. You can't do too much wrong to keep it away. You can't turn away too many times. God's grace will keep coming saying, I've got something better. I've got forgiveness. I've got mercy. I've got restoration. I've got a new beginning. And if you will shake off the guilt, the condemnation, start making choices that honor God, He'll bless you in spite of your mistakes. He'll make something great out of your life in spite of your past. God never gives up on you. Don't give up on yourself. Receive the grace. Believe that there's something amazing in your future. The scripture says, God came to seek and to save those that are lost. Seek means to go after, to pursue, to track down. Even when we run away, God runs to us. Even when we don't measure up, God says, that's okay. I forgive you anyway. Well, Joel, he doesn't deserve it. It was his fault. He brought the trouble on himself. That's what grace is all about. You can't earn it. You don't have to be good enough. It's a free gift. All you have to do is receive it. Listen, the price has already been paid 2,000 years ago. It's not our goodness. It's God's goodness. God has made us worthy. But we think, you know, God's never going to help me. I brought this trouble on myself. But think of it as a father. Imagine our son Jonathan, maybe five years old. I hear him screaming, Daddy, come help me. I look outside and he's hanging from a tree branch, kind of high in the air, holding on for dear life. If he falls, he's going to get hurt. I wouldn't say, hang on, Jonathan. Let me think about how good you've been lately. <laughs> Victoria, has Jonathan been cleaning his room? Has he been treating his sister right? Dad, hurry, come help me. Just a second, Jonathan, I got to check your report card. That wouldn't even enter into my mind. That's my son. I'm going to do anything I can to help him. That's the way our Heavenly Father is. Even when you make the mistake, even when you bring the trouble on yourself, God is so merciful, He says, I'll still help you to get out. That's why it's called amazing grace. You don't deserve it. You didn't earn it. It's just the goodness of God. Hello, brothers. This is Corey Reynolds coming to you from the Lancaster House. And tomorrow, I should be blessed into second phase. The past 28 days have been some of the most remarkable days of my life. 
My heart before I got here was almost completely empty. I just was so shameful, so empty. And 28 days later, I've met some of the most incredible people that I assumed to know for the rest of my life. I'm so full of love and joy. And I just learn new things every single day that make this all the more powerful. Each one of you has had an impact on my heart. Recently, I learned that Jesus speaks through us to each other. And I feel like we're always on the verge of the next empowering thing that one of our brothers could give to us. I no longer am hopeless or homeless. I found my place and my calling. I feel that the Lord has recently been bestowed on me the ability to become patient, to swallow my pride, become humiliated. The ultimate sacrifice, Jesus' blood, for me, for you, for all of our sins, such an incredible gift. How could I waste such a gift? I don't want to waste that gift any longer. I just want to be more and more empowered every single day. Learn about the Lord. Become more discipled with my brothers. Feel humility. I just love every single one of you. And I know that I'm destined for something far greater than myself. Every day is its own gift, its own struggle. But I'm going somewhere with this life, and I'm just so excited to get a share with each and every one of you. Though I knew very little about the Bible before I came to the refuge, it's been such a great learning process. I just, uh, knowledge is power. The gospel is so powerful. The word, the truth, it is true. And God is Lord. Every one of you means something so special to me. And I just, uh, anytime that you think about the struggles going on inside your head, you just have to understand that there's something bigger that's going to come on the other end. You can't allow Satan to take the truths and twist them and manipulate them. Your mind is a very powerful thing. My mind is a very powerful thing, and I really want to use it to proclaim that Jesus is Lord. The devil is defeated. And I love you all very much from the bottom of my heart. Psalm 130, verses 1 through 8. As you ponder this psalm, see yourself in four different situations and learn what it means to trust the mercy of the Lord. In the depths, that's one situation, in the depths. The depths of despair, they overwhelm you. You're drowning, and all you can do is cry out to God. Well, he hears and he rescues you. And the other situation is in the court. You're on trial, facing your sins, and you have no defense. The judge pays the penalty, and you are forgiven. The next circumstance is in the dark. You're waiting patiently, yet it seems morning will never come. But the sun rises and God gives you the dawning of a new day. And then the last circumstance on the block. You're a slave, bound by your own sins. And you're about to sell yourself to a terrible master. But the Savior comes and purchases you and sets you free. What a wonderful salvation you have. Psalm 130 Verses 1 through 8, a song for the ascent to Jerusalem. 
from the depths of despair, O Lord. I call for your help. Hear my cry, O Lord. Pay attention to my prayer. Lord, if you kept a record of our sins, who, O Lord, could ever survive? But you offer forgiveness, that we might learn to fear you. I am counting on the Lord. Yes, I am counting on him. I have put my hope in his word. I long for the Lord. More than centuries long for the dawn. Yes, more than centuries long for the dawn. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is unfailing love and an overflowing supply of salvation. He himself will free Israel from every kind of sin. Proverbs chapter 29 verses 21 and 22. A servant who is pampered from childhood will later become a rebel. A hot-tempered person starts fights and gets into all kinds of sin.